Hello, welcome to Kiara Gets Drunk and Talks About Music. Today we are talking about the La La Land original motion picture. Sounded weird when I said that. <laughs> <laughs> the sounded weird. The original motion picture. You one more know, time. Uh, that one. Hello, welcome to Kiara Gets Drunk and Talks About Music. Today we are talking about La La Land, the original motion picture soundtrack released in 2016 under Interscope Records. And my guest is Ethan. <laughs> Smells like teen spirit. (laughs) (laughs) Ethan, welcome back to the podcast. (laughs) Thank you. Oh, have I just claimed the record for the most? No, they're not even close. (laughs) I feel like you've been on like... This is my fourth time. Four times? Because first time was the Beatles, second was Panic, third was Shrek, and this is the fourth. Uh, Killers is in there too. I think this is five. So I might be tied. No, we've had people be on, I think, for six. I need some good news, Kiara. I'm sorry. I want to be like the Steve Martin of this podcast or alec baldwin or alec, ba- alec baldwin they, they're tied for hosting saturday really? Night i thought Live. it was yeah. him and dan Ack. oh no that's different. no no no, no. dan yeah. Aykroyd was on the show yeah he wasn't no, a host but i'm sure he did host it i don't know yeah but uh anyways ethan we're yes. back for another uh last year you and i did the same thing we filmed an episode on boxing day and thought that went pretty well so it did it did we got a little bit of the giggles but it was a good time overall <laughs> um yeah panic of the disco good album but we figured may as well do that this year this is actually going to be our last uh recording session of 2020 thank god good <sighs> riddance to this year knock on wood 2021 is better exactly and since we're in the same uh bubble ethan's my younger brother so since we're in the same bubble uh you and i are able to actually do the podcast in person which is so much more fun oh, than yeah. doing it over zoom don't get me wrong doing it over zoom is fine <laughs> but, but you know. there's something to be said about uh, getting drunk with you in person so thank you for deciding to come back and uh also exciting we're doing another soundtrack this is our, our second soundtrack episode and and you were on our first soundtrack episode when we talked about shrek i'm just setting records all over the place i like it well and you're a movie buff so i feel like it makes sense for you to do <laughs> soundtracks yeah no i i like i really like the last time when we did shrek <laughs> you know because one it's shrek you know you got to watch shrek. obviously um but yeah no it's like you said i, I feel like soundtracks have an interesting kind of element to them because it's film and that's something i like so it's just interesting to kind of combine the two and talk about them in one episode i agree i think we're just getting shit done left right and center we really are we're so getting stuff done that's the way that we do it <laughs> um i'm excited to get into it though there's so many so many different songs that we want to talk about today so many aspects of the film and of the soundtrack for La La Land. Before we get into the details yeah. of the record, I was going to give you a little bit of backstory on the La La Land film and the album. Oh, yeah. La La Land is a movie musical released in 2016, written and directed by filmmaker Damien Chazelle. And much like his first major film, Whiplash, it is an ode to jazz and jazz musicians, as well as the city of Los Angeles and the pursuit of passions. Mm-mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got to say to that. <laughs> The story follows the relationship between Mia, a struggling actress played by Emma Stone, and Sebastian, a jazz musician played by Ryan Gosling. The movie was a massive hit, grossing, can you guess how much the movie grossed? $427 million. So close, $445 million. Oh, God! Do you know what the budget of the film was? $18 million. Also close, $30 million. Uh, well, it's far farther. But. but that's a hit, that's a smash. Yeah, oh yeah. It also received 11 BAFTA nominations, 7 Golden Globe nominations, and 14 Oscar nominations where it won 6, including Best Director for Damien Chazelle and Best Actress for Emma Stone. And then Best Picture, but then they had, they realized they <laughs> fucked up. 
<laughs> exactly, Ethan. Famously, it lost in the Best Picture category where Warren Beatty was up on stage yeah. and mistakenly said that La La Land had won when really it was Moonlight. It wasn't really his fault. It was actually the person he was with. He re- he caught it. He caught the mistake. It was okay. You know whose fault it was? The person who gave them the card. Oh yeah, yeah. It no, was it, EY. <laughs> it was it was the accountant's fault. We'll never know their name. They go unblamed. But they yes they for for those of you who might not know Warren Beatty and I believe it was Faye Dunaway were announcing the Best Picture yeah. category and uh, the card that they received said Emma Stone Best Actress for La La Land instead of the Best Picture envelope. Mm-hmm. So that when Warren Beatty opened it, he just saw emma stone best actress and he was like confused and went to show faye dunaway and she's like it's la la land and everyone's <laughs> like yay and then it, the music played and i'm pretty sure all the producers were like shitting their pants yeah we <laughs> it's funny because like i've seen that clip a couple times and the acceptance speech is always funny because the one of the producers i think he's a producer he's like the ball one of the bald guys yeah for la la land he <laughs> gives the most like passive or to me it seems like the most passive aggressive handoff when he realizes that moonlight would actually oh, yeah. won because he was like no no guys there's been a mistake moonlight you guys won and then he shows the, he shows the envelope to the camera he's like look moonlight. yeah <laughs> he's almost like congrats but also what the hell just happened there, what, are, what are you gonna do what there, are you gonna do yeah. shit happens on live television of course remember when jennifer lawrence fell yeah remember when that naked guy ran out on stage at the oscars yeah no it was in the 70s oh i'm gonna say I'm like, I'm that would not happen that was today. before our time <laughs> yeah before our time but still a smash hit of a movie oh, yeah. and still received uh major accolades from the uh academy of motion pictures and science what is it no, academy of motion Pi- academy of motion pictures uh, motion pictures and sciences science and motion picture academy of science and motion <laughs> picture it's science like is in to there buy a vowel. <laughs> The soundtrack that we're talking about today includes producer Justin Hurwitz's iconic score. It peaked at number two on the Billboard 200 chart. It won Best Original Score at the Academy Awards. And City of Stars, which is sung by Ryan Gosling, won the Oscar for Best Original Song. And at the Grammy Awards, the album won for Best Compilation Soundtrack for Visual Media and Best Score Soundtrack for Visual Media. I was actually, well, I mean, we'll probably talk about this later with the favorite songs, but I was expect I thought a different song would have won, but we'll, we'll talk about oh, that. Oh, we may have to dive in later. <laughs> yeah, we may have we to will. dive in. We'll dig right in there. And Ethan, before we get into the soundtrack that was uh, so successful, mm. today as we pay homage to this movie that is obviously so fond of the jazz music genre, we're going to drink jazz cocktails for our cocktail of choice this evening. Ethan and I have yet to try it. Yeah. We've been holding off until this part portion of the podcast, and I, I feel like um, we should maybe take a sip. What's in it, Kiara? Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> I should probably <laughs> tell the, the good people what's in it. If you want to make a jazz cocktail yourself, you're going to need two ounces of Southern Comfort, two ounces of vodka, and then orange juice. Top that right up, fill it with some ice cubes, give it an, a good stir, and you're good to go. What if I only have Northern Comfort? <laughs> Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) My dad just, like, my dad joke had to come out there. (laughs) So, Ethan, what do you say? Shall we cheers to La La Land and... Oh, I'll cheers to that. The Academy of Motion Picture and Sciences? Something like that. Yeah, let's cheers to that. Cheers. Well, that just... (laughs) That's kind of nice. That does taste quite nice. I don't even taste alcohol. How much alcohol is in there? Uh, Four ounces. There's four shots of alcohol in there. Yeah, two. I said two ounces of Southern Comfort, two ounces of vodka. Holy hell. I don't taste anything. This is dangerous. Okay, so Ethan, we've talked about how La La Land was a huge success at the box office. Uh, what's your relationship like with the movie and the soundtrack? Oh, I love the movie. That, that There's no other way to put it. It's basically right under... Damien Chazelle, first of all, one of my favorite directors. Because, I mean, he's 
I think he's had more films than this, but like his three most notable ones are Whiplash, La La Land, and then First Man. Loved mm-hmm. all three of them. And Whiplash is my all-time favorite, with La La Land coming at second. So like, like all-time favorite m- movie? All-time. Oh, like dang. Whiplash is still, right now, my favorite all-time movie. And there's yet to be one that has like, dethroned it. La La Land came close. And yeah, it, it holds a very special place in my heart, La La Land does. Because I think it's something that, it, it, like, it, it's something that I can relate to, and I think like a lot of my friends can also relate to. Like artists in general, I think they relate to the movie just because it's like it's such a, it's a sad story, right? Because it's like it's the whole idea of like balancing um, your artwork and then balancing love as well. And I think that's something that kind of hits close to home with a lot of people. So yeah, I I remember like the first time we watched it. I really enjoyed it. I was a bit like I was, I think I was 16 when I first saw it. And yeah, the first time blew me away. Watched it a second time, blew me away even further. It's like the, it's one of those movies where like for me, every time I watch it, I feel like I get a bigger appreciation for it. And the music in the movie, do you feel like it's a soundtrack that you've come back to over the years? It's hard listening to some of the songs without the movie because I feel like a lot of them fit so well into the story that you kind of need the visuals and you need the story aspect of it. But like sometimes I'll just listen to like Another Day of Sun. That's always one that I can just listen to at any time. Sometimes City of Stars or um, Someone in the Crowd, even The Audition. I think those are the four. Yeah, it's ones. like depends on the mood. Yeah, it depends. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It depends on the mood. But I feel like with soundtracks, like especially movie soundtracks, it's sometimes or like musical movies, it's sometimes hard to kind of listen to them at any given time. Yeah, because they connect so intricately with yeah. the story that's going on. It's like when you listen to like the Hamilton soundtrack. Exactly. Sometimes it's like you know, it not doesn't take away from the fact that it's an amazing soundtrack, but having the visual accompaniment of the film or of the play obviously makes everything hit so much harder, mm. right? Well, that's why with Hamilton, like I didn't really I didn't actually really listen to Hamilton until this past year, and the reason I listened to it was cuz I was able to watch the show on Disney Plus. Finally. And once I was able to see that and I could connect the words with what I was seeing, I was like, "Okay, this is the story." Now I can like I fell in love with the music because I knew what it was about and I knew the whole story around it, so Right. No, it totally makes sense. I, uh, You and I went to go see La La Land together with our mom. We did. With, with, with our mama. Yes. <laughs> with our mom. Um, and I just remember being in the movie theater and like crying yeah. at the end. Like the last like, I don't know, probably like 10, 15 minutes were just like, I was just like, if I wasn't crying, it was at least like welling up a little yeah. bit. Oh, yeah. You know, with the music and like the final scene and the gazing and it's just like just so much. So many, so many longing glances, you know? It, it's funny because, like, I actually didn't know going into it that it was a musical. You didn't? No. It I was d- advertised as a musical. The thing is, I didn't really pay attention to a lot of the advertising because for some reason, I had, like, after seeing Whiplash and seeing how well that movie did, for some reason, I was like, I feel like La La Land's going to tank. That's my, that was my mindset in Even with that star power with Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling. Oh, yeah. It's always the movies with the star power that tank. Because they, Geely. yeah, yeah, Geely, exactly. <laughs> so I had like this fear that because the first movie was so good, people were gonna get too hyped up and they were gonna, um, uh, what was like what? be overly critical of La La Land almost, or like get their hopes up, like they would be expecting something as good as Whiplash and then they right. weren't gonna get something as good. I was like, there's no way he can make two movies directly apart from each other and get the same amount of attention. And yet he did. So I, yeah. did, I that's why I didn't really know much about the movie because I was kind of scared. I was like, oh, I don't really want to get too excited and then get disappointed when I see it and it's not too good. 
but boy was I surprised. Yeah, it was it was an awesome experience I think to see in theaters as well and I feel like mm. that is also due to the fact that the movie is a very true love letter to movie making. Like half of it is to movie making, half of it is to jazz and and yeah. and music, right? Cuz the two main characters are like you said, it's that balance of like art and love mm. because they're both pursuing what they want like mia emma stone's character is pursuing acting Mm. and sebastian ryan gosling's character is pursuing being a jazz musician but at the same time like they're trying to figure out well how do i make this like relationship work and los angeles is like almost like a like a supporting character to it all like it's a whole other element you know yeah Yeah. i remember liking it too whiplash is such an amazing movie and i feel like because i'm not big i don't know a lot about jazz i don't i don't either I like ve- like literally yeah. all my like jazz knowledge comes from like Whiplash <laughs> literally yeah. like just the what was that Charlie Parker, Charlie Parker Joe threw Jones a, threw a symbol at the guy's head yeah. like that literally all comes from me watching Whiplash so then when I was going into this I'm like oh well, I hope it's not all just like jazz songs but it didn't end up being that it was it was less about like having a jazz song and more about telling a story with jazz it's a story told through jazz the music oh yeah like they yes, didn't, they didn't yes, just like yes. throw in jazz songs it was like how do we use jazz music yeah. to push everything forward because where whiplash kind of had a plot that was more focused on the exactly. whole like thing of jazz. yeah this one was more about mia and sebastian and then jazz was just kind of like sprinkled it was sprinkled Pe- in. it was like an, it was will. important but not as like reliant well, as it was, it was like, in whiplash yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but it was it, it was so great i absolutely I, I enjoyed the film i think what i really liked about the you and i actually rewatched the film a few days ago just before christmas because we felt like we wanted to do some uh, some prep for yes. the podcast instead of just listening to the soundtrack we're like well if we're gonna prep for this we've got to do it by watching the film too because it's mm. it, it's part and parcel to everything that's going on in the soundtrack so 100%. we did that and like the thoughts that were running through my head when i was watching it was like we talked about this earlier as well but the cinematography the color that yeah. was used. I mean, Damien Chazelle's color palettes are always like next level good. Oh, they are. But it, like, it was interesting to see because like you bring up color palettes. It's just interesting to see how he changed or like the difference of style with Whiplash and La La Land. Because Whiplash is very cool tones, yeah. dark, like a lot the, of greens, blues, mm-hmm. and like gray. yellows especially. Yellows. A lot of yellows. But then La La Land's like purple, everything, pink, red queen <laughs> like, it's like we're throwing the whole color. fucking rainbow into this and it, they uses that to like i think show mood within the characters as well which is really nice like it, it was filmed so beautifully and the cinematography was incredible um and in listening to the soundtrack again over the last few days it's also like made me have a greater appreciation for jazz which i think is kind of like the whole point of damien chazelle bringing this into the world mm. now because they even talk about it in la la land how jazz is kind of a dying breed like true jazz is kind of a dying yeah. genre and i feel like damien chazelle can be credited with young people like you and me wanting to explore it more and mm. like even just us watching the film and talking about the song on the, the songs on the pod today like that's a step in the right direction to preserving this uh this genre i think yeah no for sure 100 percent um yeah he it's it's clear that he kind of has like damien chazelle has a a real fondness for jazz because absolutely he's made two very passionate stories surrounding it it was it's a great film amazing soundtrack if you haven't seen the movie or if you haven't listened to the soundtrack i'd highly recommend giving it a listen but uh how about even you and i go into some of the songs talking about some of the songs we love off the record i would love to do that all right ethan let's get into some of these tracks what's the first song you want to talk about today well I'm going to go with my favorite from the whole film, which is The Audition. Oh, man. You're starting right at the end. What? 
at the end of the movie. Oh, you're starting okay. at the end. I was like, well, that's your least favorite song, really? Beginning with the end. Yeah, beginning with the end. Watch that right hand. <laughs> <laughs> Careful. You're lucky this isn't being filmed. <laughs> Why do you like audition? So that this song like comes, but yeah, basically at the end of the movie, it's the last. I think it's the second last song, basically. Um, and it's Mia giving her a big audition for the film company. She's trying to get her big break. Um, and it seems like this could be like the best opportunity for her. And they tell her to just, you know, tell a story. And she just ends up like giving this beautiful song. It's just her and the piano, which was played by Ryan Gosling, if you didn't know. In that song, it's played by Ryan Gosling? Yeah, he was backstage playing it. Really? So that just adds a whole other element to it, right? When you know that he's the one on the keys. Um, Ryan Gosling on the keys. <laughs> yeah, I just got all this jazz terminology in my head now. The keys and the bass. Yeah, no. Um, but I think the reason I like it is because it's a very... For me, it's always the song that gets me, I think, at the end. It's like an ode to artists in general 100% because it's, it's the fools who dream and and she's basically saying like like she is a fool who dreams yeah, yeah. exactly and it, yeah it's almost like that gratitude for the fools who dream like for the the poets and the actors and the um, musicians. Uh, musicians and yeah all of them um and it's all it's like a song that every artist wants to hear because it's especially like the, the unknown ones for most of their career, they're probably going to go on working and never be recognized and their work will, you know, never really be seen by the masses. And so to hear something like this, it's comforting because then, right. you know, they're, they know that even if they are never recognized, even if they never make it, even if they never find success, they are appreciated for their work and for the stuff that they put out into the world. And the world needs them, even exactly. if they're not like world famous. We need the artists. Oh, yeah. To... The world's always needed art. Art is what we live for, as yeah. said by Robin Williams in what's that movie? Um, uh, Dead Poet Society. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, I was that was a guess. No, <laughs> definitely. It was Dead Poet Society. OK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where he's like. He's like, beauty, art, freedom, love. He's like, these are the things that we stay alive for, or something to that effect. Oh, Captain, my Captain. <laughs> oh, sad. Um, I've never actually seen it. That's the one to watch. I really like this song as well. Definitely one of my favorites off the soundtrack. Um, and it's cool because, as you mentioned, during this audition, she is asked by the filmmakers, okay, tell us a story. And earlier on in the movie, they kind of plant the seed about her aunt being an actress mm -hmm. um, and how she like, you know, lived in Paris and did all this cool stuff and how Mia was really inspired by her to be an actress one day. So I like the fact that they decided to tie that in at the end mm -hmm. and like have her tell this story about her aunt living in Paris. And the whole thing revolves around her like jumping into the river or whatever. Yeah. And it, it like you mentioned, I mean, I think you brought up a really good point with it being an ode to artists. And some of the lyrics that I wanted to quote here were um, bring on the rebels, the ripples from pebbles, the painters and poets and plays. Here's to the fools who dream, crazy as they may seem. Here's to the hearts that break. Here's to the mess we make. So it's like, even if you don't make it, like her aunt wasn't a famous no. actress or anything, but she was able to do something she loved and yeah. inspired other people in her life to do something, other people in her life to do something that they loved. Um, and I think that's the whole point. It's like, you might be seen as making a mess of your life by like pouring all your savings and in like into your audition yeah. reels and your headshots and whatever, or buying instruments if you're a musician and like moving to LA moving to New York like just like trying to make it basically mm -hmm. but you're doing something again in pursuit of something you care so much about which yeah. is filmmaking which is jazz which is whatever yeah. um, so it's a very powerful song and like seeing Emma Stone sing it definitely makes me tear up because she tears up and then you're just like Meh, like yeah. at the end it's a beautifully written song beautifully composed now that I know Ryan Gosling played the piano I'm like damn I know it adds a whole other thing to it right 
Yeah, no, I, I love the the metaphor at the beginning with whole like her aunt jumping into the river because it's yeah. like that's the way she describes it because like she says she jumps in the river, she spent a month sneezing and she got sick, but then said she'd do it again, and that's yeah. it's like the motivation for artists. Like, sure, it sucks at times because like you won't be working for um, big portions of time and. Uh, you'll get rejection after rejection after rejection. Yeah. And you'll feel like you're never really getting anywhere. But still, you do it because that love for it is there, right? Yeah. And it's the same thing. as uh, I, I thought that was just done well in that kind of beginning portion. Totally agreed. Beautiful song and captures the essence of the film in a great way. So thank you for starting us off on such a high note, Ethan. <sighs> My pleasure. <laughs> um, I think I'm going to go to... I want to talk about A Lovely Night. Okay, where is that's that's lower on my list. <laughs> <laughs> so the reason why I like the song "A Lovely Night" um, for our listeners who maybe haven't seen the movie again, spoiler alert, major spoiler. Yeah, ahead please if watch you the movie. Seen it. um, it's on Netflix. But there's a point early on in the film where like Mia and Sebastian's characters have like kind of kept running into each other, but they don't seem to like each other very much. But clearly, there's this undeniable attraction between them. So at this point in the film, they've both both left a party. And Mia is looking for her car and Sebastian's like accompanying her to find her car because it's dark and he's a gentleman. <laughs> yeah. Well, like he's like no, walking no, no, her to the car. You know yeah. what I mean? No, I was and, thinking um, They stumble upon this like beautiful view of the city from this like, you know, park that they're at. Yeah. And the whole joke is like, oh, this would be a great, a lovely evening to share with somebody that I am interested in. But you're not the person I'm interested in. So what a waste of a lovely night is like the essence of the song. I think it's super cute and funny and very jazzy. Mm. And there's like a little dance break within there after they, they have like their singing and they do a little dance break. Um, very reminiscent of, you know, someone like Grace Kelly. Like I feel like they just bring that very light energy to, uh, to both of their roles. Um, still very cheeky and just like, you can tell that like they're kind of insulting each other in a very low key way. Like they obviously really like each other. Like it's super flirty in that way. Um, and uh, then at the very end, what I love is she finds her car and she's like, Oh, do you want me to drive you to your car? And he's like, no, no, it's okay. Mine's like right over there or whatever. And then he ends up walking all the way back to the party and it turns out his car was parked at the, at the right at the entrance of the party the whole time. So he only really walked with her because he wanted to hang out with her more. Which I was like, Ryan. It gets you invested in the relationship for sure. Um, but yeah, no, you're yeah, no, you're right in saying like that was definitely their relationship at the time, and it's just cool to see like how it blossoms and how yeah. it kind of grows. Like from the beginning when they first see each other in traffic, and then yeah, they just keep bumping into each other, and it seems like nothing's gonna come out of it, but yeah, because but it's, it, I think there's even a line in the movie though where she's like, I feel like we keep uh, we keep running into each other. I wonder if that means something, and then he's like, probably not. He's like, yeah, probably not. <laughs> yeah, let's just. Just dust that off our shoulders so you like this song too i do like it's not the thing is there are is only like one or two songs that i'm like i don't like i like basically every song it's just this is one of the ones i'm like eh. like you wouldn't listen to it on its own sometimes i have like i have listened to it on its own at times but it's not like if it were like if i had to pick three songs out of the movie this would not be one of them Okay. That was harsh. I was going to say, um, I was like, well, screw well, my opinion. Maybe there's a nicer um, way of putting it. Uh, it's just not one of my favorites from the soundtrack. No, that's okay. You're entitled to your opinion. What's a, what's another song? What's the next song you want to talk about? The next one I got is, drum roll please. <laughs> another Day of Sun. That's, uh, that's the song you like? Yeah. 
Interesting. You don't like that one? No, no, no. It's not that I don't oh. like it. I just wasn't expecting you to pick that one. So tell me why you want to talk about this one. Well, this is the first song that we're all kind of ex- uh, exhibited to. Does that make sense? Pardon? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what's the word I'm looking for? This is the first song that we're... This, this is the first song of the film. Yeah. So this is the first song of the film. Like when you start watching, this is what basically opens up the movie. Uh, and it's like really just like a whole like magical way to start it. Yeah. Because I think it encapsulates the vibe of California. Totally. With the, like you brought up before with the color palette, like the blue sky and like the sunlight and all the, the colors that they're wearing. He did a very good job with the color palette and it really made me want to go to California after it I saw that. It did not make me uh, yearn for that traffic jam though. They're all in traffic when this is happening. It seemed like a pretty fun traffic jam to me. <laughs> I wish we could do that in Toronto. <laughs> Just get out of our cars and start dancing on top. <laughs> I don't know. That'd be pretty fun. Um, but like, I think, I feel like filming that would have been so cool. That's another reason why I like this song. Like watching the, the bit because I remember, I think Damien Chazelle was on Jimmy Fallon and he was talking about how he filmed that portion. And he was like, I even got some of the producers to help out. I think it was for like the truck part where they like open up the back of the truck and there's like the whole band in there. They had producers behind the truck, like pulling it open with ropes. Oh. Because um, it was like, I think the whole experience was almost, you kind of mentioned earlier where it's like an ode to filmmaking, but also like the old old school vintage, filmmaking. yeah like old yeah. school filmmaking yeah and i think Even that's the also title card yeah like at the beginning it's like filmed in like technicolor or whatever mm-hmm. and you're like of course this is 2016 <laughs> yeah we know um but that's like that yeah it was really cool to kind of like see that uh in the film and then hear about it afterwards about the process and everything so that kind of makes the song a lot more enjoyable and i also really like um kind of like i mean at least what i got from it was like how all of these cars are filled with people with talent because they can all sing, <laughs> they can all dance, but of course it's like you know Emma Stone is the one that goes on to be uh, famous and or like Emma Stone's character Mia is goes on to become famous and whatnot, yeah. and then all those people with all this amazing talent, you know they m- may not be they may not get the same recognition as she does. Right, it, it's peppering that theme in early on well and it's the only scene of the movie that doesn't have ryan gosling or emma stone in it like the whole opening number they're not they're not in it their characters aren't in it at all and the 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 characters who are singing kind of like offer up like um like parallels in like their uh, their storytelling in the song and uh they have their own kind of narratives there so when you're watching it you're kind of like what is this movie about because usually the Mm -hmm. first song of of any musical like sets the scene and this song definitely does that but without the main characters it's kind of just like oh i was not expecting i was not expecting that yeah i think it's like it's really just to kind of like introduce like you said just like set the scene introduce the audience to california and just kind of like show them the people who live there and the artists that live there um it's yeah it's a city full of artists basically yeah it's kind of reflected through the things they say where i don't have the exact line written down i just thought of it now where the guy's like there is a line i don't know if this helps you but um talking about i think it's one of the ones that the lead one of the lead vocalists sings where she says right as they dimmed out all the lights a technicolor world made of music and machine it called me to be on that screen and live inside each scene Mm -hmm. it's like the hope that la gives but like they also talk a lot about struggles as an actor too mm-hmm. like they also have struggles but then of course they like go back to the magic of la and like how that keeps them going so it, it, it really like it sets the scene and like paints this environment as it's full of dreamers and it's a place that 
continuously inspires them mm-hmm. to just keep pushing for their dream, essentially. Yeah, even if you have a bad audition or whatever, like it's still another day of sun. Like yeah. the you're still gonna be living in LA. Mm-hmm. That's like the whole point of the song. Yeah, hundred percent. City of dreams, baby. I do wonder when they did film this. As cool as it was for them to probably film it, I can't imagine how the people of Los Angeles would have reacted to having a big section of their like highway closed down for the production of this film. Do you think that was an actual highway? Yeah. Was it not an actual highway? I don't highway? know. I feel like, I don't think they could do that. So how do you think it was filmed? I feel like it was in a studio. and the you think and, so? and the, the cars that weren't on screen were just green screened. Huh. I would have to double check. I'm not, I'm not an we'll expert. but check. I'm like, I'm, I'm very, because like, I don't think they, they would be, like, especially in California, they what could not block traffic. What if it was like a small highway? highway. <laughs> <laughs> it's just one of the mini highways. <laughs> Baby highways Maybe. that they didn't really care about. Because there were only like two lanes on that highway. Oh, no, that's... there was like four lanes on that highway. Uh, it was a pretty big highway. No, because it was the bridge. They were like jumping across the things <laughs> yeah, before like... Jumping across four lanes of traffic. God, to live in a musical. <laughs> Nothing would matter. I can never get to work on time because <laughs> they keep singing. <laughs> oh my gosh. Big opening number. Big oh, opening yeah. number. The next one I want to talk about... Uh, I'm going to kind of talk about two at the same time. Okay. There are... Oh, I know which one you're going to say. Yeah, on the soundtrack, there are a couple versions of City of Stars. Yeah. So you've got the version that happens at the beginning of the film with just Ryan Gosling. It's like the the, the whistle quote-unquote whistle version of the song and then there's a later rendition with him and emma stone which is extended has uh, more lyrics i do really like both of these songs i think i like them equally as well like the ryan gosling solo version is just very simple it's very short Mm. it was the one used in the trailer and so i feel like it's like that quintessential la la land song where everyone knows like the do 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 like that's become iconic it's yeah 100 percent become iconic it's a very simple song but yet it does define the vibe of the film very nicely because similar to another day of sun like he's saying who knows is this the start of something wonderful and new or one more dream that i cannot make true so it could be him talking about being a musician and having his own club one day and that dream or is it the dream of like Mia like Emma Stone's character that he's like is this just another girl or is this going to be like the one is this Mrs. Ryan Gosling yeah I think yeah he, I think I I take it as he's talking about Mia but I think he is talking I think he's talking about both well he is because he's saying is this another dream that I cannot make true and yeah. so the other dream is obviously jazz and it's that sort of uncertainty where I talked about the beginning of the balancing of the two he's almost like am I able to put my dream on hold for someone where like I don't know if it's going to be anything spectacular you right know? right um trust no bitch yeah <laughs> you said it <laughs> I will say in the in the version with Emma Stone where in the film it's like they're in their apartment mm. and uh, they're kind of like he's playing on the piano and she comes and joins him or whatever I do like that version because I feel like it's very genuine like they're kind of like laughing and I feel like when they were filming like they kind of made some mistakes and like I don't know what it was like it feels like it's literally just a couple sitting down at a piano just mm. jamming which which I also liked yeah well I mean it's interesting to kind of see the progression that his character makes right from the first time he sings city of stars to the second time i'm focusing on sebastian a lot you can see the differences uh, right away because he immediately in the second one he immediately diverts from the original lyrics like in the in the first time he sings it when he says like i felt it from the first embrace i shared with you mm-hmm. and that's when it it's a whole new verse and it's completely changed And i think that goes to show that he's starting to focus more on mia rather than jazz. Less on jazz yeah like it's it, it's which is interesting because there is a part in the movie where his, his sister wants to set him up with somebody yeah. 
And the first thing he says is, does she like jazz? And she goes, no. And she's like, he's like, then what the hell are we supposed to talk about? <laughs> and then you find out how Mia doesn't even really like jazz. But then and, she does. But then she does. Yeah. Um, but I just thought that that was funny. Because, yeah, like you said, he shifts his mindset into into putting more into the relationship than mm-hmm. his than, than his love for jazz. Yeah. The second rendition of City of Stars is almost like the peak of their relationship. Yeah. Because after that, whoo. Things start going downhill. Yeah. Real fast. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> Can't confirm. It's not good, it's people. Not good. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. Do you want to go, Ethan? Is there another song you would like to talk about? I don't want to go. Uh, yes. How are you enjoying the jazz cocktail? I quite like it. Long story short, I really like the drink. It's nice. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's nice it's nice (laughs) since we already talked about city of stars we can go into someone in the crowd someone in the crowd will take you where you you want to go go. (laughs) those are the lyrics (laughs) and the tune apparently (laughs) so Um, can you tell our listeners a little bit about um how this song fits into the film and then why you either like it or dislike it yeah oh i'd like it basically this song comes after mia goes to an audition and oh boy does it not go her way? <laughs> <laughs> you know, she's really into it. This is the audition. She's really into it, uh, gets very emotional. And then the the lion, the witch, and the audacity of this bitch, <laughs> the, <laughs> the person that she's auditioning for, takes like a call in the middle of it. She stops her and then talks to somebody else. And then she's like, you know what? We don't need you anymore. We're, we've seen enough just go home and so it's like like a crying in the middle of like yeah like a really really like emotional scene so i think a lot of actors can relate to that because i'm sure people have been to bad auditions before when they get home they just want to like not do anything yeah and they just want to like wallow wallow in in pity yeah um but essentially when she gets home her roommates are all going to this big christmas party and mia doesn't want to go so they sing this song to cheer (laughs) her up and to get her into the party mood (laughs) to get her out to this party and they're talking about like well it's in the title someone in the crowd and they're basically saying like all it takes is one person and they could be at this party and when you meet them your dream is just going to take off yeah, because they um, were singing about it from the context, or at least I think they're okay. all actresses. They're room- yes. her roommates, right? Yes. So they're all singing about someone in the crowd could like launch your career. You could meet a director. You could mm-hmm. meet a screenwriter. You could meet a another actor who like gets you in on a movie or a TV show or whatever. They're talking about like progressing her career forward. So like, fuck the shitty audition. Like, sorry about that, but like, come to this party because you got to network and you got to put yourself out there and do LA things or whatever. Mm-hmm. But. It also has the subtext of someone in the crowd can just change your life. It doesn't have to be career-wise. It could be yeah. like you can meet the love of your life today. Yeah. You can meet the one. You, you could. You totally could. Yeah. Ryan Gosling could be at this party. He could be yeah. at this party. If someone was like Ryan Gosling, there's like a 20% chance Ryan Gosling will be at this 20. party. I'd be like. I'll bring the whole squad. <laughs> like, Sign me up. Um, I will be there. What time should I arrive? <laughs> yeah. That's what should I wear? <laughs> it's it, it, Yeah. Like in that sense, it's a, it's a very hopeful, but kind of like. For me, it's almost anti-hopeful because you're like, yeah, all it could take is one person, but I could go to this party and then feel the exact same afterwards. And I don't know if I want to do that. Wouldn't you rather like go and then not wonder about, oh, what if? Like even if nothing happened. It can make you feel worse though. Like it it makes me feel worse in the movie, you know? Because her car gets towed at the end. Not only that, like there's a moment where she takes a break from the party and she goes to the bathroom. Right. 
And that's where I, fa- I feel like she has <laughs> I that. I take breaks from parties all the time. I go to bathroom constantly. I'm still happy. No, because like she goes to the mirror and she does that dramatic singing. Do you do that at parties? No. <laughs> yeah? Don't ask oh. what I do at parties. <laughs> you don't why do you think know. I was in the bathroom for 15 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering why. <laughs> yeah, I think that's where like the almost lack of hope kind of kind of comes in because she sings the same lyrics but with a different tone yeah and like it's a longing for that person in the crowd and she's like where is that person in the crowd you know where 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 art thou stella (laughs) Stella. (laughs) um it's funny because i i felt like in listening to the soundtrack before we rewatched the movie i was listening to the soundtrack and i was kind of like skipping this song i was like i don't really like it like i don't really get it i just it wasn't a fan of it and then when we were watching the movie, I was like, oh, okay, I like it. I, I like know. it in the movie, but I don't like it on its own. Yeah, 100%. And I think it's because it's also very nostalgic for me in the sense that, like, I remember being in university and I lived with three of my best friends. And there would be nights where maybe not just, like, I would need the one needing convincing, mm. but, like, someone else maybe had a bad day and we're like, you know what? It's Friday night. We're going to go to that bar and we're going to drink tequila and we're going to forget about this shitty day and you're going to put some nice clothes on and you're going to come with us. Like, we're going to get blackout drunk and wake up in Nova Scotia tomorrow. <laughs> but sometimes you have to like give that little bit of a push just to get somebody out of their own funk and get them out of their yeah. own head. I feel like it's what I said earlier where it's like you don't know if you don't go. So it's true. It's better to just go and then not worry about like, oh, what if I didn't go? Objectively, it is the better thing to go. Objectively. Yeah. But you could, you might still go and your life could be unchanged. You might just come home and just be like a little bit buzzed and eat some bread and then go to sleep. Eat some bread and then die. (laughs) (laughs) But no, yeah, objectively, if you went with your friends, you're probably gonna have a good time. Yeah. You know, so. You know what it kind of reminds me of? I was thinking about this uh, today, actually. Wait, who? What? You said. (laughs) No, I said, you know what this kind of reminds me of? Oh, yeah. What? (laughs) <laughs> no because i thought you said i couldn't tell if you said you remind me of someone or oh, no 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 okay this song <laughs> someone <laughs> in the crowd, yeah. reminds me of uh john mulaney has this bit where he talks about how he hates like current pop songs because he's like all of them are about how tonight is the night <laughs> and we only have tonight and he's like i'd like someone to make a song called tonight's no good how about wednesday <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the next song I want to talk about as kind of a I kind of have a love-hate relationship with is Start a Fire. Yes, me too, actually. That's funny you bring that up. So this song in the movie comes at a very pivotal time for Sebastian and Mia because Sebastian has decided to join a band, a like jazz fusion kind of band, and he's on tour and he's making records and, and all of this, and she comes to see one of his performances. And the band is also fronted by John Legend, who wrote the Ooh. song, actually. Oh, did he write it? He wrote the oh, song. Good yeah. man, good man. Um And uh, so you see them kind of perform for the first time. And uh, it's the first clear picture to Mia that Sebastian is playing music that is not jazz. (laughs) Um, Not something he's super passionate about. It's like a jazz. It's not not pure jazz. It's not pure jazz. It's like modified cool hip jazz or whatever. Um, But she's like surprised that he's actually agreeing to being in this band and continue to tour when this isn't the kind of music that he'd normally enjoy. What I think is very smart about why they decided to put this film in the movie, though, is that like the subject matter of the song is so ambiguous and it kind of shows a nice like parallel to the fact that all the other songs have such purpose and such storytelling and there's so much depth. But then when you listen to the song, it's like, 
it's just like we can start a fire it, it's kind of like it has no but it has no meeting you know what i mean like yeah. it's just very like tonight is the night and we're gonna do things and like blah blah blah. but i'm like well you know they're just throwing out all these metaphors like mm-hmm. he says uh we could start a fire come on let it burn baby we could start a fire let the tables turn baby we could start a fire and i'm like that doesn't mean anything to me because you're just you're just spitting out metaphors over a catchy tune which is a lot of songs nowadays and and it, it, it hits home the point you were making where it's like mia sees that he's kind of like he, he's, he's like doing something he doesn't like yeah he's like begrudgingly playing the keyboard solo like even the, though it's yeah. like the people love it and he's getting a lot of like adoration for it he doesn't love it he's like just kind of playing he's just kind of playing it to play it he's yeah. not he's not enjoying it yeah 100 percent. he did it for her damn it <laughs> but like it and even though i hate what this song represents it is kind of fun and catchy at the same time it is. I mean, this might be a hot take, but we're talking about like jazz dying because that's like one of the main things that are brought up in this in this movie about yeah. the idea of jazz dying. But see, I don't think jazz will die. I think it's going to change drastically, much like every other genre has and will. You know, mm-hmm. um, like pure jazz. Sure, I think if you want to separate that into a, a separate genre, then yeah, that's probably going to die. But jazz on its own is always going to survive, but it's just going to sound different each year. But then I don't think it's truly jazz. And I feel like that's what he talks about in the film. He's like, he goes, jazz is dying. It's dying, Mia, because the people going to jazz clubs and hearing musicians mm-hmm. or whatever, like they're they're older generations yeah. and they're not they're not necessarily passing it down to younger generations. Like I've, I've never been to a jazz club. I've never been like, you know what I want to do Saturday night? Jazz it's one of us. Like you've been to a jazz club <laughs> well no oh, okay. <laughs> i've been to like uh they, they play well yeah no you know what i think i just passed <laughs> i passed one by one day and yeah, i was like that'd be cool the same. no because me and one of my friends um like he he likes jazz too and we were just walking down the street and we found like a nice uh it, it seemed like a jazz club they were playing live jazz music yeah and so we were like oh this is a really nice spot we but should come back actually here went in. no well because i think COVID hit pretty quick after that so we mm. yeah we couldn't really do that that's too bad yeah hey man as soon as those doors open again ugh, i'm gonna Full listen on. to some live jazz live jazz music anyways did you have anything else to say about this song um i think you basically said everything i when you watch the movie though it hurts to see mia's reaction to it yeah because it's not like she hates the idea of him doing this i think it's more of like he's spending so much time away for something that he, he doesn't really like doing so it's like it's almost confusion like she doesn't really understand why he's doing it yeah and then it's like even worse when she starts getting shoved back by crowd like the crowd and so like she's getting further and further away from sebastian and so deep. getting blocked out from yeah you know i just come up with these things and then, <laughs> <laughs> um no it was like oh, yeah I, re- I really like the scene and i really like the music in combination with it. and john legend is a legend yeah, the, I was gonna say the vocals are. It's in his name. Pretty amazing, and yeah. like it, it's a song that you could hear like on the radio today, and it would be a hit. So Ethan, at this point, uh, we've talked about a lot of the songs on the record, um, and we have to now rate the La La Land original motion picture soundtrack. So, what would you give this record out of five jazz cocktails? Five out of five. Five out of five. Perfect. You could hundred so, percent. Even though you don't listen to the soundtrack on its own. I'm poking holes in your argument. I know you're poking holes. This is holes. me poking holes. The thi- okay, are you telling me to separate the soundtrack from the film and just telling me to go off the soundtrack itself? Because I think with combination with the film, it's a perfect five out of five. Okay, that's fair. But I'm like, just let, let, let's talk about just as a soundtrack. Okay, as a soundtrack, four. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> four out of five. 
Fair, fair, fair. I was going to even say as a basis of comparison, like if we think about something like the Shrek soundtrack versus like <laughs> this soundtrack, you know what I mean? Like the They're basically the same soundtrack when you look at it. They're <laughs> the same story, both about ogres. Um, <laughs> so, four, so four out of five, what do you think could have made it a perfect five soundtrack independent of the film itself? I feel like the only reason I... Okay, you know what? No. 4.5 out of 5. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I have to change it. Okay, because literally the only song that I don't like is Herman's Habit. Oh, that's where he's like, it, it's conflict, it's compromise, it's very exciting. Is that what that is? I thought so. Oh, that might be it. Even still, though, because it's like, if that song was taken out of the soundtrack, I wouldn't be... You wouldn't miss it. No, I wouldn't miss it, because I, well, I think the story still goes without it. It's hard to like to rate something like this, which has half the songs are instrumentals and half the songs are songs with lyrics. So it is. It is difficult to rate. And Her- Herman's Habit is one of those instrumentals. Four, yeah, four point five out of five. How to make the soundtrack better? Take out Herman's Habit. It's five. <laughs> like that's that's the basis I that's can go off of. Because I yeah, I love the music. I think that it's excellent at storytelling and just like world building. Um, and the story just it just blends so well together with it. So right. I don't think any song like is out of place, and none of the songs really like don't fit. I think they're all like excellent. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I, I I have to say, like, with my rating as a soundtrack to the film, like you were saying, it's impeccable. Yes. It fits the movie. It fits the vibe of the movie perfectly. Like, not a thing I would change. Mm. But as a listener who I do like to listen to soundtracks of musicals independently from the film, Hamilton being one of them, Rent being one of them, Moulin Rouge being one of them, um, I did find it strange that like I don't really go back to the soundtrack as often. And maybe that is because of the instrumentals. Like it very well could be because of that. And I'm like, I don't want to listen to instrumentals often. I like to like sing along to my tunes. Mm. Um Me too. So, but I would also like you you have to commend the fact that Justin Hurwitz was able to complement Damien Chazelle's filmmaking so perfectly. So that to me makes this a four out of five record for sure. Am I gonna like just put it on in the car and, and play it, you know, front to back? Probably not, but I'll throw a couple of the songs maybe on like a playlist, put, put you know, start a fire, roll the windows down, list, jam that. Just foot out the window. <laughs> <laughs> when I'm sitting in traffic, maybe I'll play another day of sun yeah. to remind me that, you know, things aren't so bad and the sun's going to come out tomorrow. Like it's, it, it has its bright spots in the soundtrack, but it's not going to be something that I listen to all the time. That's fair. I think so too. I think, I mean, I, yeah, I think the instrumentals are the only thing just because... Yeah, without the visuals, it's kind of hard to listen. Or, or it's not even that. Like, because I'll often listen to music when like I'm writing or if I'm doing other stuff. So mm-hmm. if I have an instrumental, sometimes it'll help me, but sometimes I'll like recognize it and I'll start to think about the movie and I'll get distracted. Right. Because that's like the only way I can really listen to it is if I can imagine what's going along with it. Right. Um. But the other songs, the story is just clear, and I don't even have to think about it. It just comes to me. So yeah, those songs I listen to probably more often. Okay, Ethan, that about uh, does it for us here on the pod. So I wanted to say thank you so much for agreeing to come back on and talking about the La La Land soundtrack today. Thank you for having me once again. It's always a great time. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. And uh, now we can sit back and uh, finish the rest of our jazz cocktails. 100%. Maybe throw in whiplash for old time's sake. and I might just pour myself a second one if you don't mind me. <laughs> Um, and to everybody else, uh, happy new year, happy 2021. And thanks again for listening. Amen. Amen. Hey, shout out to Christina Applegate. 